Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Wow, well, welcome to church, everybody. Great to be with you here this morning. Today, we're going to talk about uh, a word that, no, that most people don't like hearing, and the word is obedience. What is obedience? It's this, it's my reason in submission to God's will. But let's read first from uh, Romans 12, 1 to 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love. In honour, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Amazing words. That last verse is is the core of our focus this morning. But I want you to absorb and resonate on that whole chapter because it is is filled with with content and intent and life skills and, and, uh, and great wisdom. But here in verse 12 it says, Be joyful in hope. In the hope of what? In reality, when, when, when God speaks, we know that the blessed hope of the glorious appearance of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We read that in Titus 2. He, you know, when we think of hope, it's about Christ in our lives. It's about Christ returning. We read in Revelation that Jesus, he, 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 he's the God who was. He's the God who is and the God who is to come. And we understand that our hope is the fact that Christ has gone before us. He's here with us and he's coming again. Patient in afflictions. The afflictions of life come through the times, they come through our bodies, they come through the moments and the challenges that present ourselves. So our patience is in the affliction of the times and our faithfulness in prayer. In reality, it's our faithfulness to have communion with God. Does this explain your life? Wouldn't it be great if it did? Wouldn't it be great if if our joy came from the hope of Christ returning. If our patience was defined most clearly in our afflictions and our faithfulness was visible most clearly 
in our communion with God through prayer. Joy, patience, faith. In reality, these are acts of obedience. And like we said at the beginning, obedience is where my reason, my understanding comes into submission to God's will. And then this in turn leads to a content and a blessed life. In reality, a happy or a blessed life, is, it, 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 it comes or it's visible most, most easily when we have victory over self. But to understand this concept, we need to come back to, to, to who we are in essence in our bodies and in our minds. And uh, so we start uh, with the senses. We start with the senses and the affections and even our sentiment. Sight, touch, hearing, taste, smell. Our senses are 100% driven by the environment. And through them, we, we, we create sentiment. When we hear, when I, I don't know about you, but when I hear certain songs, when I, I, I immediately am relocated to another place and another time. Where am I, how am I relocated? I'm relocated through my emotional state, my affections and my sentiment. Whether it's a, the victory song or, you know, whether it's the, the, the a victory song in a sporting event, whether it's a song that, uh, that uh, a close friend and I had, whether it's a song that, that represented a certain, uh, a certain loss in my life or a certain uh, uh, celebration in my life. The senses are all God-given. And they're all extremely helpful in navigating life. So some things, though, that, you know, that, that, that are not necessarily that helpful is, you know, are, are things like uh, bad experiences that have caused us. I don't, I don't know about you, but there are some foods, some vegetables especially, that, are, that I'm still scarred to eat from because of uh, some of the experiences I had around those vegetables as a child. Back in the 80s, uh, there, was this, there was this amazing dish called uh, broccoli and cauliflower with white sauce. And uh, it's where, it's where veg- the goodness of vegetables went to die and it was met with the unhealthiness of, of, the, of thickened cream and all these things. And uh, it's difficult for me to look at a cauliflower in the same way. See, if we give too much opportunity to our senses to define our beliefs and our and our affections then we become crippled by them something that is good for you you can put aside because the sentiment you have attached to it is negative and as we said the senses present themselves through our affections through fears and through sentiment and these are very powerful influences so the senses are actually the most vulnerable points in life is because we, we allow access to our soul through the senses. When we're sitting in a church service, sometimes uh, you know, the volume or the, or the smell or the, or the, or the, the feel of the place um, defines whether we are open to receive or closed to receive. And I want to encourage you this year, you know, in our, in our year around the stewardship of words, I think finding the right language to explain or define what we're sensing at any point in time is quite important. When Arabella, my, my daughter, says to me when, whenever she's hot, she says, Dad, I'm burning, she says. 
Or in Noosa, it, it makes me laugh when someone in Noosa says, I'm fr- it's freezing today in our subtropical winter. When we use catastrophic language too easily, we can open the door to making decisions based on the language we use and not the reality of the moment. And the great biblical example of this, in my mind, is, is uh, Esau and Jacob. Esau gave his birthright away because he felt hungry. He was starving, maybe. Let's read Genesis 25, 29 to 34. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name is called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and he drank, arose and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau says he was weary when he came in from the field. Yet the language that Esau used to describe his weariness was he said this. He says, I'm about to die. And I wonder sometimes because of the, the, we, because of the catastrophic words we use to describe situation and no one does this better than, our, than the current media in our world, we catastrophize things because what does it do for us? It draws attention to the feeling that we have in the moment, but the reality of that feeling may be very different to the true definition of the language that we've attached to it. Luke 21, 19 says this, it says, By your patience, possess your souls. We call this reason. Sometimes when, you have, when someone brings a language to you that's excessive or catastrophic uh, and you have a conversation with them and bring reason to that person, then they can, they can right-size the situation and make a better decision in that moment. And when our senses obey reason, life improves dramatically. Reason tells me to put sunscreen on even though the warm sun feels nice on my skin. Reason gives me the ability to eat less, turn the music down, exercise more, be positive, drive at the speed limit. Reason is a great master of the senses. But here's the thing, church, reason is not complete. Reason can be learned from, from, uh, from, from others, from experience, from, from hindsight, from our imagination, from picturing the, the, the potential in the future. Esau gave the moment authority over his birthright. He didn't add reason to it. There was no reason attached to that. He allowed a moment to have authority over his whole life. And in that one moment, he gave up his birthright. So here's what we must do. He reasoned about that moment based on how he felt on his weariness of his hunger. But God's called us to a different thing, hasn't he? He's called us to have our reason in submission to God. 
Our reason must in all things obey God if we want to walk the journey of life with our Heavenly Father. And it's only at this point, church, that we begin to conquer self. Most of the world uh, believes they've arrived when reason is at its best. The problem that we have there with ending with reason is that God's ways are higher than our ways. And sometimes the reason that we've established is based on uh, a a recognition of an experience from the wrong perspective. Jesus dying on the cross was not based on human reason. Most of our initial beliefs are actually a reflection of our own sentiment. They're a reflection of our own sentiment, our own thoughts and our conventions that we live in. We don't realise how much the culture that we live in impacts our reason. We don't realise how much the political rhetoric of the day and the media that we, that we sit in adjust our own reason. Things that we find acceptable today, we, 30, 40, 50 years ago, we did not find acceptable at any, at any point. So for us to be truly healthy, we must make our reason obedient to God's will. And this is one of the hardest hurdles for the mature believer. Why? Why is, why is submitting my reason to God's will uh, so difficult? The main reason is experience. If you've been let down by the same person ten times in a row, it's reasonable to, distance, to think that it's okay to distance yourself from that person. Yet, in obedience to God, you may need to continue with them. The greatest example of, of obedience beyond reason is Christ's death on the cross. Christ died once for all. And over and over again, we reject him, we dismiss him, we despise him, we, we do all of these things. And then at some point... At some point, we gain an illumination or revelation of the cross and of Christ and of, the, and of the Godhead, and we surrender our life to him. But imagine if, we, if God dis dismissed us after we dismissed him ten times. So we need to connect to God. We need to connect to God so that we understand his will. We need to connect to him so that we can get a, get a glimpse of the wisdom of eternal life. And connection to God only grows through an increase in our consciousness of God. And consciousness increases through obedience. A lot of the time we get, we get caught in our reason and we don't obey the unreasonable nature of our God. He asks us to do crazy things like lay our life down like deny ourselves. He asks us to forgive, to repent. He asks us to remember his death. He doesn't ask us to remember his resurrection, even though we do. He asks us to pray without ceasing, to bless those who curse you, to love your enemy, to do good to those who hate you, to pray for those who mistreat you. These are not reasonable things. These are the will of God that are beyond reason. 
that are eternal in nature, that, have a, that are established in a kingdom that is not of this world. You see, obedience is a word that has not been received well by most. It, it's something that, that uh, causes us to, to, uh, to the, the rebelliousness to stand up within us, doesn't it? When, when someone demands obedience. Jesus, when he sends us, he says, baptize people in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to obey the things that I have commanded you. They're strong words, aren't they? We love the blessings of God, but he's, in, in discipleship, there is a command to obey uh, his words. So what is obedience? I think, I, I guess, a, a way of explaining it would be is, is the tiresome, even humbling effort to focus on the eternal things whilst living in the natural and living in that contradiction on earth is a difficult place but here's the thing after some time obedience shifts obedience shifts from being uh, an act of faith to an act of instinct and we realize that the the things that we used to be drawn to uh, we're now not drawn to them anymore because obedience has become our habit. And after some time, when obedience becomes an instinct, fresh vision radiates. Whatever you're obedient to is where your vision will come from. If you're obedient to conforming to the ways of this world, then your vision will come from the world. If you're obedient to the, to the will and the nature and the character of God, then your vision will come from God. And then at this point, I'm no longer searching for the truth. I hold the truth. I'm no longer going through the Bible looking for answers to my problems. I'm going through the Bible to, to grasp a new glimpse of my Heavenly Father. I'm no longer searching for freedom. I'm distributing the freedom that I've discovered in God. And then... This amazing thing happens. The horizon of possibility lights up. And we see the potential. We see the potential in the people around us, in the community around us. We, we're enabled, we, we build things out of things that we didn't even see in the past. We have a fresh revelation of what's in front of us and what's beyond what's in front of us. When our senses obey reason and our reason obeys God, then we get to see this thing called substance instead of appearance. We become those who are obedient. Our reason in submission to God's will. Joyful in the hope of Christ's return. Patient in the affliction of natural life. And faithful in our communion with God. Let's pray, church. Father, we come before you humbled once again. Humbled once again by the call to obey you, Lord. Lord, we know, we understand, Father, that, that, that your will is uh, that we would be free and that we would be saved. Lord, we've become blind to your will because of our attachment to the things of this earth. Lord, we're repentant. 
Lord, where we've established our vision in conforming to the ways of man, Lord, we're so repentant and we seek afresh today, Lord. We seek afresh to, to have our senses come under our reason and our reason come under your will. Help us to see clearly today. Help us to see fresh today, Lord, your will and your ways. We acknowledge, Lord, your greatness. Lord, help us to, as we read those great words in, in Romans 12, Lord, Lord, help us to present ourselves before you as a living sacrifice. Lord, we are in awe of your greatness. We're in awe that you are in all and of all and through all. And we surrender our lives to you once again this morning. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.